Good morning, this is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. I want to talk to you today about one of the most beautiful and familiar gospel stories, the story of the wedding feast at Cana. Now, in talking about this story, we have to talk about the Gospel of John. John was seen by the Church Fathers as John the Theologian. John the mystic, because his work is so redolent of theological and mystical themes. Even from a literary standpoint, the Gospel of John is extraordinarily rich. What I want to do is go through this story and show you some of this great spiritual and theological richness. You know, the symbol of John the Evangelist, and you see it up and down the Christian centuries, his symbol is the eagle. That's because the early church fathers felt that the eagle could fly all the way up to the sun and look at it with an open eye. So John flies up to the highest theological and spiritual truths and can look straight at them. First, let me read you some of the story of the wedding feast at Cana. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no more wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servers, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And so they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine, without knowing where it came from, he called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first, but then when people have drunk freely, an inferior one. But you have kept the good wine until now. That wonderful story, rich story. Let's look first at the setting. Jesus performs this first of his signs at a wedding feast. Nothing is accidental in John's Gospel. Why a wedding feast? You'll see this symbol all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New. God's union with his people is envisioned as a great feast, a banquet. What God wants for his people is joy and life and life to the full. Any version of Christianity that puts a stress on sadness is heretical. Christianity is a religion of joy. When God and the human meet, it is a wedding banquet. In fact, if you look in the early church fathers, you'll see that the incarnation is seen as the marriage of heaven and earth. In Jesus Christ, divinity and humanity have met and have married, and the result of it is a banquet. The result is joy. Now, What's given at a wedding banquet, a wedding feast? Gifts. 
That's why St. Paul will say in letter after letter, the Spirit has given the church gifts. Gifts of prophecy, gifts of wisdom, gifts of tongues, gifts of healing. These are all the signs that heaven and earth have met. And God now has showered humanity with his own gifts. That's why we're in a wedding feast. Now, what happens? Well, Jesus and his disciples come to this days-long wedding celebration. In Jesus' time, it wasn't just one evening or one day, but it was many days long. Great festivity. And the wine is running out. Now, this was not a minor problem. This was a very serious problem at these days-long celebrations. If the wine runs out, well, the party's going to end. Who notices the problem? And here we see this primacy of Mary. It's a very prominent theme in John's Gospel. Mary is the seat of wisdom. She's the one who sees and treasures things in her heart. She's the visionary. Mary's the one who discerns they're running out of wine, and she tells Jesus. Now, in John's Gospel, we're always operating at the surface of the narrative, but then there's always a spiritual depth. She notices this problem, but she's also noticing something that's much more elementally problematic. Look, Mary stands for the human race. She's the mother of the human race. She's the mother of the church. She is the new Eve. That, by the way, is why Jesus calls her woman in this gospel. It might be seen as a sign of disrespect. It isn't. It's a beautiful, symbolic word. She speaks for the whole human race. And what does she say? They are running out of wine. The they now, at the symbolic level, means all of us. It means the whole human race. We are running out of wine. That means we're running out of joy. We're running out of everything that makes our lives rich and wonderful and what God intends them to be. What Mary is talking about here is sin. The fact that we have been alienated from God has rendered our lives joyless and flat. And so when she says to her son, they're running out of wine, she is speaking in the voice and the cadences of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Abraham and Moses all the great figures of the Old Testament. Mary stands for Israel. She's the prophetic voice. How often, Christians, in the Old Testament, we hear the prophet saying, How long, O Lord? How long? When will you deliver your people? Well, here she is now speaking that same language. Here's Christ, God's own presence among us, and she speaks for all of us. She's our advocate when she says, they are running out of wine. In other words, she wants him to act. She wants him now to bring back to our human condition all that sin has taken from us. It's wonderful, wonderful. She's our advocate, our spokesperson, the one who pleads our cause with the Lord. Now, let's continue with the story. They bring to him six stone water jars 
filled to the brim. What do they stand for? Again, in John, everything has a symbolic resonance. Well, water is a good thing, obviously. Nothing bad about water. Water is a positive thing. But water does not intoxicate us. There's something flat and ordinary and insipid about water. It'll basically nourish us, but it won't intoxicate us. These six jars of water stand for all that we can achieve on our own apart from God. They stand for art and literature and science, politics, family life, all those good things that are part of our human condition, but that don't intoxicate us. They don't give us ultimate joy. Look, what's a basic human experience? No matter what I accomplish in this life, no matter what my culture gives me, I'm still looking for more. I'm still unsatisfied. That, I think, is what the stone jars of water symbolize. All that's good and true and beautiful in humanity, but that doesn't intoxicate us and bring us joy. Now, what happens? Jesus takes this water and he transforms it into wine. Now the party can go on. Now the celebration can continue. But let's read it again at the symbolic level. Everything that humanity can do on its own has been brought now to Christ Jesus. Our art, our science, our literature, our family life, our politics, all these good things have been brought to Christ. And now he is able to transfigure them, transform them into something that is intoxicating, that is beautiful, that is life-giving. Look at it this way. Our art and literature, they're wonderful. But when they are severed from connection to God, they become self-absorbed. But when we connect our art and our literature to the divine source, now they become life-giving. Our political life, it's a good thing. But when through sin it is severed from God, it becomes self-regarding self-absorbed, dysfunctional. When we bring our political life to Christ, now he can transform it into something intoxicating, life-giving. Our family life, it's good. It's like one of those jars of water. But when through sin it is separated from Christ, it too becomes flat and insipid. Now link your family life up to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it becomes wine. It becomes intoxicating and rich and life-giving. You know, friends, one way to look at this, all these jars of water, they stand in some ways for our secular culture. In so many ways, our culture has become secularized, flattened out, disconnected to the divine source. Bring all of it back to Christ, and he will transform it and transfigure it. And then what? Then the party can continue. That means the banquet and joy that God intended for human life, that can continue.
Let me make just one last connection. Like a great work of art, everything in John's Gospel reflects everything else. Every scene mirrors and parallels every other scene. And what is the ultimate scene in the Gospel of John? Where's it all tending? Where's it all heading? It's heading toward the dying and rising of Jesus. It's heading to the cross. On the cross, John says, Christ is glorified. He's raised up for all the world to see. That's where the whole gospel comes to its high point. Do we see here a parallel with the cross? Yes. Jesus and his mother, water and wine. There's the wedding feast at Cana. What's on Calvary? Jesus and his mother, water and blood. Remember, from his side comes water and blood. The wedding feast at Cana is meant to anticipate, to mirror and parallel the story of Calvary. Now, why? Why? Because on the cross, Jesus transforms water into wine. On the cross, he does battle with sin and death. He goes right into the lair of death. And there he wrestles sin and death to the ground. In other words, all those things that separate human life from the divine life, they are battled on the cross and defeated. And so it is in his dying and his rising. It is in this great cosmic struggle on the cross that Jesus effectively relinks humanity and divinity. In his glorification, his being raised up, Jesus effectively reconnects heaven and earth. All that is good and true and beautiful in humanity is now reconnected to the divine source. And so the water can become wine. What's the ultimate purpose of this story? to encourage us to bring every aspect of our lives to Christ. What makes our lives flat? Disconnection from Him. And what gives them joy and savor and richness and intoxication when we bring everything we have to the Lord Jesus Christ? Mind, emotion, passion, bodies. Bring it all to Him. God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you.